thank you for joining us on The Skeptic Psychic, where we delve into ancient societies, the ghosts, the paranormal, UFOs, all looking at it from the perspective of the true believer and from the skeptic perspective. Joining me, my partner, my co-host, my sibling, Kimber Rodriguez. Myself, I am Richard Gregg. And again, let's look into being the skeptic psychic. Hello. Hello. Welcome again to the skeptic psychic. Where we delve, 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 delve <laughs> into the paranormal and crypto and all legends, myths, and all wonderful things. How have you been doing today, Kimbra? I'm doing good. My wonderful, sweet, kind, beautiful sister named Kimbra. Yes, I'm doing good. Uh, if you hear anything in the background, uh, Mercy is here with me, so you might hear him laugh now and then. So apologize for the disruption on that. So um, anything new on your end today? Hmm, not much. Just waiting for uh, <laughs> two things I've been doing. One is uh, doing research on to a uh, howdy, y'all. Hello, hello. All right. And I'm doing some uh, research for a future podcast. Interesting. I'm all a flutter. Yes, and another thing is I'm waiting for that uh, wonderful uh, uh, time honored tradition around the Greg family where we serve up the green bean casserole. I'm talking about Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> Same here. I'm definitely looking forward to Thanksgiving. I already have my um, yes, Shelly, congratulations. I'm so happy for you and in autumn both. Uh, congratulations. I'm so glad you made it. I was unsure if you'd be able to with the babies coming, but I'm so glad you're here and send autumn our love and again, tell her how happy we are for her. Yes. And I've already bought my ingredient, sorry, brain. <laughs> They're that doing so great. I'm glad. Yes. I've already brought my ingredients for the green bean casserole. So I'm pretty looking forward to making it. Always right. love. Everybody always loves. In fact, I think they like yours over mine because my mother-in-law every year asks if you're coming to Thanksgiving. And when I tell her that you're not able to make it, she doesn't say, oh, well, that's too bad or I'm going to miss him. She always asks. So no green bean casserole? So. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm the only one that around here eats the green bean casserole. Really? They're, they're yes. missing out. They are. They just don't like it. They have no taste. They just know how much I love and they save it for me. Right. According to our beautiful researcher and uh, stunning and uh, wonderful uh, researcher, my my dear, sweet, beautiful wife. Yes. So let's go ahead and, oh, a favorite side dish for Shelly as well. Glad to hear. We make a mean one. Family mm -hmm. recipe, so we both pretty much make it the same. Uh, but let's go ahead and, and kick it off and get into the Wendigo, as Raymond has said. He's like, let's Wendigo. Okay. 
Here we go. Here's go post. Interesting. Right on through the go post. Ready? Got it. <laughs> you said yes. we're looking for ideas for other shows. Yes, we are. Jackie, of course, we are looking for other shows. Yes. You're the one that actually said howdy all this morning, uh, the first person in our chat. Were you not? Yes. Yeah, so, um, yes, if anybody has any ideas for shows uh, for the future, you can definitely email us or you can add them to um, our group. And we forgot to mention how people can find us. And yes, us. I did. They can always find us here on Facebook, yeah, uh, YouTube. I'm Shelly, forgot to add my name. <laughs> I forgot to add my name, Shelly. Pleased <laughs> to meet you. Uh, I forgot to add my name, I'm Shelly. So yes, they can find us on YouTube, um, Facebook. If you are watching us on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe and hit the notifications so you know where to find uh, when we go on. Twitch. And Twitter, Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, if you do have any ideas for future episodes, you can email us at skeptic psychic. I'm sorry, info at skepticpsychic.com. Right. Contact and, us at info at skepticpsychic.com. And we do also have, uh, if you really want to be lazy and not watch us wonderful faces, you can listen to our, pod our previous podcasts on uh, Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify and Podbeam and just about every uh, one of those wonderful uh, pod places. You can uh, become one of our pod, pod people. What do you think? Pod people. I think that that might work for now. We're going to be, or everybody that's uh, listens to Skeptic Sidekicks are now going to be called pod people. Awesome. So glad, Shelly. You're more than likely to share. And we are now the pod people. <laughs> if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of the other great podcasts venues out there, make sure you rate and review us. Jackie says that pod people's creepy. She likes it. And how many stars do we like when people rate us? On Apple Podcast, we like one, two, three, four, five. Oh, yes, five stars. Remember the duty. <laughs> yes, Raymond says five million stars. Love it. Um, and then, of course, if you do leave stars, make sure you review as well. We do read reviews on air, so it's a good way to get a shout out on air other than joining us live and participating in the chat. And if you are on Facebook um, participating in the chat, uh, please include your name so we know who we're talking to. Facebook's funny, Ooh. not funny ways of being. It does it all it shows us is that you're a user. And so we like to know who, exactly who we're talking with. So we ask that you please leave your name. <laughs> and so uh, let's go ahead and start talking Ooh. about our topic tonight. Yes. Tales of the Wendigo. They go back as far as no one now living even remembers a time when the Wendigo did not haunt their lives. 
Stories of campers, hunters, and hikers coming across this mysterious cannibalistic creature have plagued the forests of the Great Lakes, especially upper Minnesota, have a way of circulating the area every now and again. But the American Indian, Native American, first tribes such as the Ojawi, the Salto, Inu, Eastern and West Main Swamp Cree, and Nakaspee Indians have their own tales. It is from them that the name Wendigo originated. Though it has also been called the tribesmen at Wittigo, Wiltaclo, Wintigo, but even then, translating loosely to the same thing, namely, evil spirit which devours mankind. It was around 1860 that the German explorer deemed the translation to mean cannibal. Yes, modern day tales may proclaim that the creature is so thin with its insatiable hunger for human flesh that it effectively hides by only being visible when seen head on. So I guess maybe it like sun sideways and it's invisible like paper thin or whatever. I, I don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah. But as years go on, the creature's appearance has evolved to where sightings now include deer-like <laughs> quantities, such as long-pointed antlers, an elongated snout, or deer skull mask. The thick fur coat that covers an otherwise skeletal figure in modern pop culture, it now reaches up to 15 feet in height. Fifteen feet in height. Can you believe how big that thing is? Yes. The Native Americans, however, speak of a creature so terrifying it hardly needs modern embellishment. The local tribes speak of a spirit that once was human, but had transformed by the use of magic. While descriptions can change from tribe to tribe, it is generally believed that the creature, having glowing eyes, yellow fangs that are long, and usually a very long tongue might be reminiscent of uh, uh, poor old Jean, but longer than that. Hmm. Milky eye sockets seem to indicate as the eyes are either liquefied or missing altogether. Long fingernails and claws that allow them to climb quickly and silently as their long legs allow them to be inordinately fast, tall and lanky. They have a sickly yellow complexion and shield hard skin with matted hair. Wendigo. One Ojwabi scholar, Basil Johnson, claims that the lips were tattered and had been chewed on its own hunger and its meals of death and corruption. Regardless, they are all driven by a hunger for human flesh and a thirst for our blood. Now, what does corruption exactly smell like? Uh, I don't know. Have you smelled Bill Gates? <laughs> Donald Trump, maybe? <laughs> Elon Musk. <laughs> Hillary Clinton. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. No, uh, no, uh, no politics. No politics. Okay. 
The Wendigo, which are remnants of those who resort to cannibalism in order to survive, were considered to be very rare. In the past, many settlers or tribes were cut off during the harsh winter months and scarce game. Such a person may well be inclined to resort to looking on his fellow friends as an alternative to starvation and thus damning himself to an unholy lust. However, there is also a belief to be a different version of a Wendigo, where man's disruption of the natural ecosystem is attacked as a means of preservation. Nature, therefore, releases the spirit of the Wendigo, which possesses humans with overwhelming instincts for greed, bloodlust, and an unending and ever-present hunger. Such creature would stop wrecking havoc on countrysides and rather go after those ravaging it. Over time, those who are possessed would slowly morph into the very creature they feared and had no way of coming back from it. However, tales of the Wendigo are more often cautionary tales against cannibalism. The Akapasan people often speak of their own version, the Wechuch. These creatures are not ordinary evil, but instead punished for of the eating of human flesh. The creature grows in proportion to the amount eaten, but is potentially starving and cannot feed their hunger no matter how many they kill and devour. The Atapashan culture lives in the Pacific Northwest, not around the Great Lakes or Atlantic coastal regions, so what gives? It turns out that there are a wide range of various tribes throughout the North America who have had their own legends of this horrible creature. Yes, Wendigo are commonly associated with winter and snow, and some tribes claim they have the ability to travel with the wind in search of their next meal. They often lure those who are lost in the woods to their cave, leaving only footprints in the snow. Sounds like a bad song. Sorry. Uh, well, I was just thinking to myself, fly like the wind, Wendigo! <laughs> now, the question is, how do they lure you in? <laughs> well, it turns out the Wendigo, ha having once been human, is a very clever mimic. With its voice, it can convince you that it is a child lost in the woods, so you are compelled to help it. Or... It could be the call of a friendly voice saying, this food is good and it's way too much for me. And this nice fire is so warm and endearing. You know, some tales tell that the Wendigo is known to come up to the victim, taking them by the hand and then running them off with a long stride, pulling the victim along. At some point, the human cannot keep up and his footprints would vanish as the Wendigo has lifted his hostage up into the air to devour. Can you just picture that? You're just sitting there and somebody comes and grabs your hand and wants to frolic through the snow and next thing you know, you're their meal. Yes. I'm flying right down into the road. No! Ah! <laughs> well, modern horror stories would have you believe that there was no escape from the... Um, from this creature 
the indigenous people did not believe the story was without hope. In fact, their tales often offered that hope in desperate moments with endings often involving those who managed to escape the Wendigo against massive odds. Many tribes even performed a ceremonial dance or offered tribute to help keep the Wendigo at bay from their tribe, mind, body, or spirit. Reason number 35961 to stay inside in the winter. <laughs> I agree. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Now, modern scientists would tell you that such creatures do not exist. No one can claim with certain certainty that the myths aren't somehow based on true events that have happened long ago. And it wasn't just the American, Native Americans who believed. The white settlers were terrified of such tales, having seen themselves just how lean the winter monks could be. And it took stories very seriously. Over the years, it began to circulate amongst the town folks that if a Wendigo was seen, then a death would soon hit the community. Yeah, so Bob over there who was hungry could, you know, just be like, oh, look, there's a Wendigo, watch out. And then while mm -hmm. everybody's paying attention to the what's supposed to be the Wendigo out there, Bob goes ahead and grabs Bill over here and takes a bite out of his oh. arm. And then he's like, see, I told you. Yeah. So from the late 1800s to the <laughs> 1920s, the town of Roseu in northern Minnesota had a number of Wendigo sightings and each supposedly followed by an unexpected death. Well, there you go. That's just what I was yep. saying. After the 1920s, however, the sightings did stop. And this was probably because by then food was much more easily available and healthcare had advanced to where death wasn't as expected. The death, I'm sorry, the steady influx of people to that region also meant a thinning of local legends as new perspectives and beliefs settled into the area. So the local horror story began to dwindle and die off. Oh, Shelly says she loves the sound of mercy. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad just to hear that he's not, uh, bothering everybody. I usually go upstairs, but it's it's cold and my achy bones don't feel like going upstairs. So don't I'm tell her bones here. her achy achy bones <laughs> because uh Wendigo is there and she'll <laughs> really worry about her achy bicky bones the moment the Wendigo is there. <laughs> yes. That's so that's okay. Americans believed themselves far more pragmatic and less prone to dogma and hysterics as well. And rational scientific thought was being put into use rather than just blind faith in local legends. Before that, however, in 1879, a Cree trapper named Swift Runner, who'd wandered alone in the Catholic mission in St. Albert that spring, claiming he was the only member of his family who hadn't starved over the bitterly cold and brutal winter. The local priests, however, didn't believe him. As Swift Runner, who was not malnourished at all. In fact, he boasted a really rather healthy weight. He did, however, have screaming fits and horrible nightmares when he tried to sleep. 
The story says that he mentioned being tormented by an eagle spirit that he called Wendigo. But he would not elaborate further. The police there at Fort Saskatchewan investigated Swift Runner's winter's campsite and discovered the remains of his wife and six children. Bones had been picked clean of meat and marrow hollowed out. It was when confronted by the evidence that Swift Runner confessed to the killing and eating his family. Swift uh, Runner's camp was apparently only 25 miles from the fort, and it hadn't been cold. And it had been cold, but not as harsh as the winter at all. And some reports, he supposedly admitted that he killed and ate the last of his sons simply so there would be no witnesses to his crime. Swift Runner would be executed at the local St. Saskatchewan shortly afterwards for the crime of killing his family and surviving on their corpses. He was Alberta, Canada's first government-sanctioned hanging. The 20th century certainly still had its believers. And one famous case was that of a man locally known as Jack Fiddler, whose father had been adopted into the Sucker Indian clan of Sandy Lake. As a member of the Cree Nation, he was considered a chief and shaman in the Northwestern Ontario, Canada, but was known at the trading post for how quickly he had learned to play the fiddle and they began building similar instruments of excellent quality. Over his life, Jack claimed to have killed at least 14 Wendigos and was considered a true hunter of the monster. His method was euthanization, often strangling those who felt the curse beginning to overpower them. However, at the age of 87, Jack was imprisoned for one killing. In October of 1907, he and his brother Joseph pled guilty to killing a Cree woman. They said that she had been possessed by the spirit of a Wendigo at the time and was well on her way into becoming one completely. It was their duty to kill her before she murdered more tribal people. Jack managed to escape while allowed out for a walk and hung himself in a nearby tree later that same day. His elderly brother, however, went to trial and was found guilty. Despite plenty of witnesses that the women killed had been incurably, yes, ill, thank you, I couldn't get that word out, and in great pain when she had requested death from the brothers. Local missionaries and traders spoke for him signing his goodness, as well as how the local clan had no awareness of recognition of Canadian law, but he was put to death. The order for his relief arising three days too late. Yes, so now we go to the northernmost of Ontario, Canada, that has a cave of the Wendango outside of a turn of Kenora, and located along the shores of Lake Minimayawes. Named not only for the creature sightings in the area, but also the site of paintings seemingly fur-covered giant creatures that stand far taller than the images depicted of local game, including moose. 
image searches for the cave, however, will mostly bring up screenshots from the Fallout 76 game. But we will not post the correct image here on Facebook for those who are interested. But we will uh, post that on Facebook. We must say, however, there's hardly the first such cave art depicting mankind as larger than game he hunts. As if ancient hunters wanted to show their demonstration of di uh, dominance over the all creatures they hunted for food. But it does point to just how far back the belief of the Wendigos go in native lore. You know, I still personally believe that cave paintings are a ancient, prehistoric art class showing off their work. I just think it's graffiti. <laughs> you think it's graffiti? Yeah. That's all it is. It's just some type of graffiti. Oh, I don't think it's graffiti. I mean, I mean even ancient Egypt has got their graffiti. Although, uh, even Romans have actually uh, doodled inside the pyramids. Yes. Many modern-day skeptics will tell you that horror writer Alger Algernon Blackwood was responsible for the terror. His novella, The Wendigo, was published in 1910 and a collection of stories called The Last Valley and Other Stories. This book was a hit, and even H.P. Lovecraft claimed that one of his story elements used was really a marked triumph in craftsmanship. Lovecraft himself modeled aspects of his Cthulhu world building upon the Wendigo legend. But the tales from the region easily predate Blackwood by decades. Since Blackwood's time, the Wendigo has appeared in numerous medium formats, including books, movies, television, artwork, comic books, and features prominently in a video game we just mentioned a few moments ago. Dungeons and Dragons even hosts a Wendigo in its pantheon of monsters. While not, mo while not the most well-known of the scary stuff out there in the world, it has a definitive hold on the pulse of horror fans. Um, it even, there was an episode of Charmed where they had the Wendigo and one of the sisters was attacked by one and ended up turning into one herself. You know, Marvel, in fact, uh, yeah, in their uh, universe, not the MCU yet, but in their universe, introduced a uh, character, Wendigo, in the 1970s as an anatistical uh, enemy for the Hulk. With the eight-foot-tall, muscular man who had been cursed with a primal hunger after committing cannibalism in the Canadian wilderness. It was during this comic run that Marvel introduced one one of uh, their most uh, popular iconic uh, characters, namely Wolverine, who originally defeated the big bad Wendigo. So yes, the Wendigo has been responsible for the world witnessing Hugh Jackman running around bare behind, having just received his uh, adamantium scandals skeleton and retractable claws. Mmm, Hugh Jackman. Sorry, I got a little off topic there. Yes, uh, Raymond, second episode of Supernatural also had a Wendigo. That was a very interesting episode. I remember seeing mm -hmm. that. And by the way, uh, Jackman and Marvel Studios both say you're welcome. Big yes, tales of the Jackman. Wendigo sound a uh, bit far-fetched, 
There's a psychosis that was discovered in late 1661, though there are no variations as is known in the medical field. What we're referring to, however, is now what is supposed as the Wendigo psychosis, which is cultural specific, only affecting those who are aware of the Wendigo folklore and who live in the regions where the legend said to live. This psychosis stage includes feeling a dread, a feel of murderous intent, and craving for human flesh. It usually strikes those who are in a sedated state, such as stuck with no way to reach the outside world, either by weather or other means. While many in the field doubt the psychosis really exists, there were over 70 documentary, I'm sorry, 70 documented cases in North America alone throughout the mid-1900s. And sightings still continue into this century, especially whenever there is a brutal winter that comes along. So would you call the Donner Party affected by such madness? No, theirs was a tragedy in the, um, as where flesh was eaten in order to save lives, not because anyone considered themselves turning evil. Although there were reports that survivor Louis Kesselberg deliberately killed Tasman Donner in order to eat her, rather than wait for her to die of natural causes. Kesselberg already was an unliked character within the party, and he was an easy-to-anger and selfish man whose story reeked of lies. He was, however, exonerated from murder charges due to lack of evidence. Uh, any rumors that Kosenberg would go around bar and while drunk claim that Tussman's liver was the sweetest bits he'd ever eaten and how human flesh was uh, sweeter than California beef was nothing more than that rumor. Nothing has ever been confirmed other than he was an unlikable man who had no problem taking advantage of the hardships of others. But that doesn't make him an evil spirit wandering the woods. In fact, he instead lived rather a wretched life, but it was within California society and he died around 50 years later in a poorhouse hospital ward with nothing but lint in his pockets. And in just last, uh, last episode when we're uh, covering uh, remote viewing, we mentioned the Gurnian rugby team that crashed in the Andes back in 1972 that ended up including cannibalism. That was in order to survive as well. And only bodies of those already deceased were used and no one ate from a fellow fa family member. Without it, no one would have survived and it's unlikely anyone would have even found the plane as it was off course when it crashed. Survivors considered it as a sacred offering to keep them alive. And amazingly, when, the, uh, when they were finally rec uh, rescued, the survivors themselves weren't vilified for their actions. They certainly expected it. After all, <laughs> they realized how, how taboo the subject was. Right. Did you know there's even a, uh, a lake in uh, Minnesota called Wendigo? It's a strange little anomaly. First in the first, you have to travel to Cost Lake to get there. Then you take a boat to the star-shaped island in the middle of the lake. 
Walk inland, and there you'll find Lake Wendigo, the lake within the lake. Hey, Ellen, I'm glad you could join us. I hope you enjoy the topic tonight. Uh. And funnily enough, in the 20th century, a research, uh, researcher named Carol Crawford Ryan spent time in the area collecting stories from local agent, uh, local legend. Yes. Sorry, my tongue does not want to work tonight. I apologize for that. Um, and these legends <laughs> went back seemingly hundreds of years. It was said that the Wendigo supposedly lived in the icy inner lakes waters. There were reports of bare footprints and exit holes found in the ice after the lake had frozen over. Stories agreed that the lake was used by cannibal giants as a large kettle for boiling humans and how a chief once had gone out to the island and never returned. So perhaps he met the Wendigos that have it like Wendigo. Now, before our listeners begin scoffing at such stories, let's take a moment to think about how you would defend yourself against such a creature. Uh, if you were to come across one, odds that you're lost in the woods and without one much or too many ways of protection. You could try starting a fire with whatever rocks and flint nail in hand. After all, fire often frightens wild beasts. Now, as the Wendigo is said to have a heart of solid ice, which is where the creature's humanity is held frozen, the odds are slight that you would reach its heart, but you could certainly try beating it off with a flaming branch. Pretty yet, if we're dreaming, a flaming sword. After all, something skeletally thin doesn't sound like it would fall down dead if you were to shoot it, even if you had a bunch of silver bullets. You know, some claim that those milky filmed over eyes means that the Wendigo cannot see you or that its vision is based on movement. So good luck trying to hold yourself still in front of such a creature who hopefully has a cold so it can't smell you standing there or has keen enough to hear your heart racing from over a mile away. Of course, there are those who don't offer some rather far-fledged ideas. How stuff works says if you can somehow dig out the heart with a silver blade or shatter it with a silver bullet that you need to dig out each and every icy shard and lock them all in a uh, silver box. Doable. Maybe. No. So in that sense, it's kind of like a werewolf. It's right. uh, resistant to silver. Now, you must somehow then find a graveyard to bury the box and to just possibly stop the monster. You also then need to dismember the remaining body with a silver-plated axe. Pull out some salt and season that sucker as you burn the body and then scatter the ashes to the four corners of the earth. Sounds like a lot of work to get rid of something. And just what is the Wendigo supposed to do while you're trying to dig out its heart, shatter it, collect it, and then bury it and send it to the four winds? Well, it's certainly not going to just stand there and allow it to happen. 
Besides, if you do somehow manage to miss a step, you know, it's just going to reform itself and eat you. And hunt you down. The best always rely on the buddy system when you're in the woods. Preferably with someone slower than you. Or perhaps not so liked amongst your friends. You know, it's like Bill and Bob going out in the woods. Bob only comes back. He says that the Wendigo God of poor Bill. That way, as you speed off and leave your companion to the beast, no one back home will be upset that so-and-so just died so you can run off like a frightened jackrabbit. Poor you know, Bill. it's all... <laughs> It's probably best to utter a few prayers while you're fleeing the scene with your buddy screaming horrifically behind you. You know, after all, that Wendigo just might have a buddy system of his own, and that companion monster undoubtedly will be focused entirely on you. Yeah, when you're lost in the middle of no in the dark, supernatural creatures seem to be hiding behind every tree, rock, and shadow. Who could blow? Blame you for wanting to save your own skin, especially since, according to legend, a Wendigo is almost impossible to escape. In the forest, it can move like smoke, unimpended by whatever terrain you try to lose it in. Reaching shelter certainly won't help being a former human. The Wendigo has no issue with opening up doors or breaking in through windows or just... You know, at 15 feet, he could just open up the roof. Yeah. Yeah. In your haste, you may just want to remember that nothing poses more fun to a cat than running after its prey to chase it and pounce on it. And Wendigo are no better. Speaking <laughs> of toxic cats, Jesuit priests in the 1600s spent 40 years traveling through the Quebec regions of North America, spreading Catholicisms as they went. During those travels, they put out a series of books called the Jesuit Relations. The books were seen as a time to spread the word of their works and to attain financial backers to continue on their mission. One of these books contains a fatal group of men as they were on their way back to the meet. The men had apparently overcome with a mysterious psychosis which the priest described in horrific detail, saying they became so ravenous for human flesh that they passed upon women, children, and even men like invertible werewolves to devour them voraciously without being able to appease or glut their appetite. Ever seeking fresh prey as more creepily, they ate more and more and more until finally, you know. <laughs> According to the priest's writings, locals had to execute the afflicted man as there was no cure for his condition. Thanks to the Je Jesuit priests trying to get backing, the world now has one of the first recorded counts of this affliction in the wild. Maybe it's just uh, best to accept fate and let it have you. Goodness knows that it won't escape the situation with your mind intact, let alone without those, uh, those nice little brown pants. Are they shiny? Yes, are they shiny pants? No, just their brown, uh, soiled pants. So, is there any hope? Will the Wendigo be haunting our nightmares from here on out? I know camping after this will leave you rethinking that life insurance policy that they've been calling you about. Yeah, there are some legends of, among the Iroquois and the Seneca Indians that tell of a flying head. Yep. 
a flying head taller than a man and hungry for human meat. Depending on who's telling the tale, the head is either the cursed remains of a murder victim out for revenge, or is the fate that waits those who turn cannibals in the first place. Maybe the Winnego has his own fate worse than death, as his bodily slowly withers away until only a ghoulish head is left, hungry, searching, flying through the air. So when the head eats you, where does it go? You probably just go right out the back, you know. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking because I mean, there's no stomach to to digest. So do you yeah. just does it just no? Well, that would explain why it's always hungry. Maybe. Raymond says those Canadian Wendigo would have to have a passport to come to the states. Oh uh, well, they don't believe in. Uh, in borders, they, uh, they, don't, they, they don't believe in borders. <laughs> it's borders with, without cannibals. <laughs> yes, they and they do have them in um, America as well, or the United Northern United States. So right. Did you say this? Yes, the Seneca Indians had the flying head. Yes, and you know there are plenty of other less scary predators in the woods, such as wolves, uh, coyotes. Um, wild boar. So fingers crossed that if you're, you know, do end up dying, that something normal finds you first and not this creature. Yeah. So, you know, we know that Wendigos, uh, we'd like to bring it a little close today. We do have one last and most important bit to share with you. While these stories of the Wendigo and other Native American creatures may thrill or amuse you, we, while sharing some of the lightheartedness along the way, want to trace this legend with some respective words. The Wendigo is not, I repeat, not a cryptid, no matter what other sites may try to tell you. It is not as all some off, offshoot horror troop of werewolf, vampire, yeti, sasquatch, bigfoot, what have you. Oh, <laughs> Rather, it is a living, breathing part of a long line of oral history and belief. So we do ask that you do not demean it by tossing it into the crypto zoo of probability. The Wendigo, whether it's truth or just a cautionary tale, just as our Native uh, American <laughs> brothers deserve better and than sisters. that. Ancestors. Yes, ancestors. <laughs> Do, do deserve better than that, you know. So, as we close this off, you know, uh, what would you, uh, what would you like to talk about next week, Kim? Next week, we're talking about a being the twenty seventh of November. We will be talking about the twenty seven club. Yes, come hear about uh, all the wonderful people that are the members rumored are possibly even part of this wonderful organization that we like to call the 27 Club. Such uh, notaries as uh, Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Kurt Cobain. And most recently, Amy Winehouse. Yes. Is it real or just a long line of coincidences stretching out among the bold and beautiful performers as it is supposedly claimed? Yes. So um, and we do uh, we do like to uh, you know if you have any questions 
concerns or uh, other wonderful uh, topics uh, again. Any questions on the fact of, uh, of the Windango or other cryptids or anything, you can always reach out to us on Facebook or at info at skepticpsychic.com. Yes, um, as Ellie, Shelley pointed out, she has a long list, so I can't wait to hear from her. Um, and in other news, I do want to point out today that we did lose a great person in the entertainment world. Um, yes, Greg Bear died on the 18th, uh, who was a wonderful science fiction writer. And let's, our hearts also go out to Jason David Patrick, who was the Green Jason, Ranger. In the, Jason David Frank. David Frank. Yes. Who was the uh, wonderful uh, Tommy in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers TV show. Yes, um, my little brother used to have me watch the Power Rangers with him when I was in high school and he was in elementary and I always had a little crush on Tommy and I had the pleasure of meeting him a few years back at the South Texas Comic Con and he was the nicest, most friendliest person I'd ever met in the celebrity world. And so I was able to get his autograph and get my picture taken with him and Mercy. And so it, you know, it breaks my heart to hear that uh, he has passed today as he was very young and only 49. Um, so my heart goes out to his family and my condolences and well wishes for them. And so again, if you are, listening to us on YouTube or watching us on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe and hit the leave notification. Yes. Leave a comment and we will respond. Um, and make sure you hit the notification. So, you know, when we are live, I do want to get back to posting videos on there. And if you're listening to us on Apple podcasts, I am getting the video. We already have last week's up. Yes. We do ask that you rate us five stars, um, but we will take whatever you give us. And if you rate us, please leave a review as we will read the reviews on air. I did recently find out you can also leave reviews now on Spotify. So that's another place if you listen to, you can leave us a review as well. And if you like what you hear, please share us with your friends. Um, remember, sharing is caring. Right, and, and, and we're going to start calling ourselves the pod, be, uh, the pod people. Come on, join in. Leave your troubles away. Become one of the pod people. <laughs> yes, listen the to that. Uh, psychic pod people. Yes. Let's just put this ringing through our head. The skeptic psychic pod people. Repeat with me. Pod people. Pod people. Well, I just got a message from Shelly that she says the chat isn't working. Oh, no. I uh, apologize. Uh, Facebook's been doing some really weird stuff. Last week, they cut us off midstream. So I apologize that people aren't able to um, comment. But you can always message me or Richard, and we'll read your comment aloud. Again, I apologize for that. But Hot people. Yes, we are. Um, our Facebook group now is called um, it's the Skeptic Psychic Facebook group, but we will call our members the pod people now. We finally have a name. So if you'd like to become a pod person, join us at Facebook, the group Skeptic Psychic. And do we have anything else we want to share tonight? 
that we love you and that we always want uh, want you to understand that uh, we. Shelly says that three of the messages are not coming up. Let me, while you're there, let me go to my Facebook page and see if I can meet, reach those messages that aren't showing up. One second. Okay. Because we're pod people. Yes, we are pod people. One second. Waiting till Facebook sends me a code. Riff while we're waiting. We got some dead air, bro. Riff. Dead air, as in pod people. We like those pod people. Let's talk about pod people. We are now the pod people. We are the skeptic psychic pod people. <laughs> Can we Trend. say pod people, people? We always want to hear that word, pod people. Yes, you are um, brainwashing our poor listeners. Pod people. That's what we are. We're always going to be pod people because three is a magic number. Yes. You know, a man and a woman had a little baby. Yes, they did. <laughs> there were three in the family. Talk about three. It's a magic number. Yes. Oh, three is a magic number. Yes. Um, Raymond says, uh, oh, Shelly says that another good one to think about is the Bell Witch. Mm -hmm. um, that is a good option. I've been thinking about that as well. Uh, Raymond also said that Nikki Icox, who was the original Meg on Supernatural, passed away too. Oh, oh no. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, and Shelly says that she was good on Supernatural. Oh, I didn't hear about that one. I'll have to look into that. I'm so sorry right. to hear that. So it looks like that's all we have for you this week. Um, but I'm so grateful for our our pod people, as you have said, that have joined us. Again, share with your friends. Um, we go live every Sunday at 8.30 Central, 7.30 Mountain, 6.30 Pacific, and 9.30 Eastern. So we would love to have your friends listen in if you think they'd enjoy us. Did I mention we're pod people now? <laughs> yes, I think I heard that a few times. Yes. And enjoy the rest of your night, everyone. Sweet dreams. And unhappy nightmares. I thought it was unpleasant nightmares. It's also unpleasant. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye. Goodbye.